Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This show is supported by its patrons at patreon.com slash Club. If you enjoy the show, remember you can support it too. Hey everyone and welcome to the Fidesz Club. This is episode 104. We're in February 2018 and uh, today we talk about uh, the experiences of Nicholas in the French Navy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phineas Club. This is a show where we cover the news from the world from the past uh, month or so. We get people from different countries, different cultures, different backgrounds to tell us how they saw the, the important news from the, the, the past month, as I said. And uh, every once in a while, usually every month, actually, we do a special episode where we just have one guest and we focus on uh, their experiences. They might be from a different uh, country, from a different background, uh, from a different even religion or political uh, uh, affiliation or just something different entirely. And today is one of those days. Uh, my name is Patrick Beja. I'm very happy to be emerging from the land of diapers uh, to uh, be able to do uh, the show again. Uh, although I guess for the Phineas Club, I interrupted some of my shows, but the Phineas Club basically didn't get interrupted. So I'm very proud of that. Um, and so as I was saying, uh, we have a really good, cool guest uh, today. His name is Nicolas Lebeg. He is French and uh I'm first gonna say hi. How's it going, Nicola? Hey, hi everybody. Thank you, Patrick, for the invite. And I'm fine. Excellent. Absolutely fine. Um so I let's not spoil the suspense. Actually, people have read the title of the episode. Uh, the reason I, I asked you to be on the show, and I'm very glad you agreed to be uh, on the show, is you are basically, uh, you were part of the French uh, military, of the French Navy specifically, um, for about seven years. Now you live in Estonia, and maybe yeah. at some point we should do a special in Estonia as well, because it's a really <laughs> interesting country. Uh, but you're basically uh, um, a soldier, uh, or you were a soldier. I don't know if you can ever yeah. stop being a soldier. <laughs> uh, that can be a topic. <laughs> How do we switch off the modes or, or not? Or if, do we even stop actually to be? Yeah. But that's, uh, that's an open question, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you were uh, in the Navy specifically for about seven years. We're going to um, talk about all of this, uh, explore it, try to get a glimpse into the daily life of a uh, French uh, military personnel. And uh, mm -hmm. first of all, let's start with a little bit of an introduction. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe right now, and then let's go back in time um, to explore mm -hmm. how you got into that uh, path? No problem. So, yeah, I'm 32. I'm living in Estonia, as you said, married with an Estonian woman, having a beautiful child as well. Um, living here since four and a half years now in Tallinn. Um, I'm working in, let's say, IT consultancy, so to speak. Um, 
And yes, before I served the Navy for about seven years, uh, how I ended up there, well, it was kind of written <laughs> because... I'm Are you one of those a, military families? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my dad was part of, uh, of the Navy as well. Uh, my granddad, well, both granddad actually served during the Second World War. So, well... <laughs> it was it was written somewhere, so I got educated also some sort in the in the navy environment. So was so, it yeah. you know did you actually expect you would uh, you would make a, a, at least a, a little spin in the in the military, or did it happen at some point? I don't know how old you were when you joined, but um, did it happen um, unexpectedly almost? Well, I joined. I was twenty one. Um, well, it's. It's kind of weird because coming from a military, let's say, family, so to speak, um, I, I'm, I was raised, let's say, in this environment, meaning that dad came to pick me at work, at school, after work with the, you know, the official suit and everything, you know, the uniform. Um, when he was on duty on weekend, I went with him, you know, because he was taking care of, uh, of uh, fighting planes. Um, so, we moved every three years uh, with different assignments. So it was kind of, um, let's say, I didn't, I never say to myself, I will join the Navy. But at, at the same time, I didn't see anything else to do. Mm. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I got my, what we call in France, baccalaureate. So basically the high school education. And then I was like, all right, you know, it's time now to, 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 to go and see what's there. But you said you joined at, uh, yeah, around 21. Um, yeah. Was there a moment of hesitation? Because I guess you got the back around 18, 19. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, basically what happened is that I was thinking about what to do because uh, the Navy is a bit different um, compared, if we take with the, with the Army, for example. Um, Army, you join as a soldier first. And then things happen that you get specialized and et cetera. In the Navy, it's the opposite. The first hire specialized people and then, and they look a lot at your graduations and et cetera. And also what, let's say, level of education you will get will give you a path. So we, either you join like as a soldier, so to speak, um, either you join as a petty officer or as an officer. And for different schools and different, let's say, road or path you have to take in the Navy, they will require you to have some sort of level of education. So they are okay. looking first at people who are specialized, and then they will train you to be part of the Navy, but you will also do a specialization school. So the two, let's say, years of differences were more about me trying to figure out if I can get anything out of university or something. Um, it failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it, it, it was always, yeah. it was always with the idea that you would, um, probably join. Like, even yeah. if you tried, uh, at, at university, you thought, yeah, I'm going to go in the Navy. Before we, we go into the, the career itself, I do want to mm -hmm. ask, being from a, a military family, Yeah. Because I think a lot of our listeners are, uh, you know, American and there is uh, yeah. a, a very different, um, image of military personnel, I think, in the US than in France. Certainly, 
it's not like the French dislike the military, but in the U.S. there is a, a level of reverence. And, you know, it's yes. always anytime you say, you know, oh, I'm a soldier. I did a tour in whatever, uh, Iraq, mm -hmm. uh, Vietnam, Afghanistan. It's mm -hmm. like immediately you have a, a kind of weight, uh, the weight of the, the, the uh, service of yeah. the, the service person. Yes. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, thank you for your service. And you, you become very deferential. Mm -hmm. And well, in, in most cases, in, in the good cases, I, I would guess. Yeah. In French, in France, I don't think we are, uh, uh, it's not like we dislike the military, but it's more like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. A, a little bit, maybe a little bit of uh, suspicion, even. Like, are you some kind of uh, somewhat, uh, um, How can you put it? Yeah, yeah, maybe I, not not a spy, but maybe you know, it's uh, it's the authority of the government. Like it's yeah. almost uh, uh, in the U.S., you would expect that the military arm of the government, given the suspicion the population tends to have of the the, the government itself, the military mm -hmm. arm would be regarded as even more suspect. But it's not the case in France. It's a little, a tiny little bit like, oh, okay, you're here to, you know, make war and repress uh, uprisings and stuff like yeah. that, right? Um, exactly. So I wonder yeah. how how it was. Yeah, uh, uh, basically, you do a very good point right now because, uh, of course, today I'm talking and I'm not talking in the name of the army or, or the minister of defense it's just a personal Obviously, experience yeah. um it's very important and also the perception of the army is a very personal thing and even i would say depending on what corp you will um you will represent you will be seen differently so if you, if we compare with the us um and it also it's also linked to the communication and the way the army and the ministry of defense communicates about the army in general. If we take the USA, I, I got the chance to work with you, American soldiers and there is some sort of natural respect toward the civilian people and the citizens because there is this big patriotic thing in America um, and they are really representing the flag and, and it means something very strong in America. Um, they, they really join to serve at, at the very, let's say, first level of um, some sort of gut feeling, you know, they mm. serve their country. Yeah. In France, we are a bit different. Um, first, of course, the let's say the, the arm in general and the, the Ministry of Defense doesn't uh, communicate the same way to the public. Uh, we have a, even a name for that in, in French, uh, La Grande Muette, which means basically right. the one who says nothing. Yeah, um, the, the, the big mute. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the army is the one that's not supposed to to say anything to express its exactly. opinions, M mostly political. But yeah, it's uh, it's mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. So the perception of um, of being a military person is, I don't know. Maybe we could ask to somebody from army, but from the navy side, it has been every time positive uh, because people are not used to see seamen in streets. We see soldiers in streets, and especially mm. with the, the sad news that are happening in the world, uh, we see policemen, we see everything. But the seamen, you, you never see them. You, you see them at the 14th of July walking, and you know you don't really know. Even 
the mission of the Navy are not known most of the time. Mm. Uh, people have no clue what they are doing. You, you um, mentioned the 14th of July. Um, it's yeah. the, the one other difference. It's interesting because in France, we have this big military parade on, on the Bastille Day, which is the 14th mm -hmm. of July. Uh, it's kind of a staple of the year and it's, it's an event, a political media, media event. Um, it's funny because in the US, there's a big debate happening now uh, on, on the, um, the, the, The reasons or yeah of the parade <laughs> yeah. which yeah it's a different story but in in france even though we don't have the same level of respect i think most people would agree the big military parade of the 14th of july is kind of a, it's expensive but it's kind of a tradition and no one looks at it and says you know ah uh, that's a huge waste well i'm sure some people do but most people don't say it's a huge waste of money or like it's it's pretentious or it's dictatorial we don't see it like that at all so there is still no. some level of you know respect there as well it's yeah. like yeah some pride i would say in that in those moments very localized yes and i got the chance to walk uh and to be part of the parade uh once and and i'm i'm absolutely i'm absolutely grateful For that um and to be very honest i didn't feel any bad things mm. uh, when you're walking on the champs Elysees, basically um with your uniform representing either your school or a squad or unit or whatever and you have people cheering at you um you're feeling useful because in the end of the day uh that's what we do of course there is questions there will there will be every time question about how to use army even the usefulness of army in general there is questions to that and even the ministry of defense himself asks, let's say this question because the format of army is changing a lot over the time there is no big war like it used to be before it's it's very different the world is different but whatever the people think and whatever the people say when you're walking on the Uh, this big parade you feel like people support you you mm. feel like the whole nation in be is behind you um and supporting what you defend or what you try to see as a message and that is fantastic to be honest mm. so i i wonder how uh the the feeling was among the 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 people you were walking with i guess mm -hmm. it was pride for everyone and oh, yes. um yeah Okay. Mm -hmm, yeah, it was it was pride, and it was also the end of something because what we don't see as well is that this parade is month and month and month and month of training. Uh, it's eight hours walking a day, training walking because it has to be perfect. And you know, even if it's perfect, it's not perfect enough. You know, it's mm. never perfect enough in army. So, um, but still, it was worth every every step made. Um, this training I did it in in Brest, so basically Brittany, um, in in spring. It was it was horrible. It was raining all day. We were wet. We were like, yeah, it was horrible the training part. But when it was our time to start to walk, uh, it was fantastic. It was about maybe five minutes of walking mm. in total, but felt like hours, and it was it was in a good way. It was very great. So. Yeah, um, coming back to the topic, I think the feeling in general, I never had a negative feedback, never ever, uh, in a train or, uh, because it happens sometimes, especially when you're at school, uh, military school, they force you to, you have to wear the uniform when you go to vacation. So until you're home, you have to wear your uniform. There is some sort of, let's say, 
free marketing out there. Uh, but even in the train with, with civilians and people are asking even, they are more curious, actually, if mm. you look at it that way. They're like, oh, what's this uniform? Oh, it's the Navy. All right. So outside of, let's say, the Navy cities like Brest, Toulon, uh, what else? Lorient, all these cities that are known to see seamen every day because, well, the cities are built around the, the military activity. But outside of these, of these cities, people are more curious than anything else and usually pretty supportive. Mm. Okay. Well, that's, that's actually good to hear because it, I wouldn't have, uh, I would have thought that you, you would have had like an incident or something that would have happened. But it's true. When I think about it, the French don't really, there isn't a deep, you know, dislike or disrespect of the military or even, I mean, it depends where you go. Maybe the police is a little bit different, but the military, there's a, a the, the weight of the function is ingrained mm -hmm. in the population, I think. Um, so, okay, let's get back to the actual um, uh, career. So yeah. you, you start your training, you go through a bunch of mm -hmm. stuff Um Then you get posted on, uh, you were saying it's a 90 people vessel, a warship? Yeah, a warship, yeah. Um, how does that even work? Like, I'm guessing <laughs> it's not very large. Like, could you describe to us the, the daily routine of a French name? Oh, I, I didn't ask actually, what post did you occupy, uh, when um, you got posted? Well, actually, I did. Uh, I was mostly administrative. Mm. So, but uh, with a little twist, because in, in Navy, there is every time a twist, um, especially on warship. So, basically, when you get assigned to a warship, you have your position, so to speak. Uh, so, I was basically in human resources, taking care of people. But at the same time, you have a lot of side duties so side duties mean you need to participate to the life of the boat because the boat never stops it's 24 hours so there is two kind of life there is the life when you are at the port so basically working hours uh, and then you have the life on the sea which is a full different thing mm. so yeah um, so um, i know you you also saw uh combat at some point but let's mm -hmm. talk about first maybe the the um life on the ship itself uh, okay describe to us a typical day uh first i guess uh, at when you're at port which is going to be I, i i think by what you're saying mm -hmm. going to be kind of boring just regular yeah. business hours and then at sea uh just a regular day from wake up to to um mm -hmm. to sleep Um, so it's very simple because actually there is a person on the boat that is responsible for organizing the day and the task on board. Uh, so uh, you will basically arrive um, before eight uh, because at eight is the, um, uh, the ceremony of color, <laughs> the, basically the flag ceremony. So basically the whole crew is on the back of the, of the boat and we have the ceremony where we raise the flag, the French flag. Uh, after that, the day starts. So from eight, basically. Um, the day starts if you are not on duty, because that's also another twist. <laughs> uh, if you're not on duty, um, it means that you will just have a normal day. So basically from eight to about four or five, depending on what you have to do, very normal day. So for me, it was just going to the office, taking care of the file of the people. Uh, well, making what, sure, do you mean, yeah. what do you mean if you're not on duty? So that's the second thing. Oh, the boat, okay, sorry. <laughs> as I said, uh, well, 
it, it's a bit weird and, and hard to explain because being on duty mean because the boat never stops even at port on the port because um there there it's a warship there is weapons on board you still need to have even if you are in a military port that is closed and guarded you still need to have people constantly on the boat the boat is never alone there's every time from 8 to 12 people on board even at night and even at the let's say entry of the boat there will be people guarding the gate constantly 365 days 24 7 right so on duty you mean on guard duty making sure no one you know captain america doesn't jump i not America. Exactly. Yeah, jump on the boat and i was <laughs> referencing the uh winter soldier where he's on yeah. the boat and, yeah okay. it's exactly that okay. uh, and also um, there is the let's say the security part in terms of guarding but it, also the security part in terms of pure security because on the boat there is engines engines are running um even um, when you are if you have an issue with electricity at the deck you are, you might have to run your own electricity uh, engines, which are diesel engines, and these needs to be checked. Engines, um, right. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you have every time people. So at, on the, at the port, when you're not on duty, you have a normal day, you do what you have to do. So basically, if you are from the administrative part, you will take care of what you have on board. So people who have requests, questions about salary, about uh, going to formations, going to change assignments, stuff like that. If you are an electrician, you will be make sure you will maintain basically the electric network. If you are if you are a navigator, you will update the maps, for example, you will take care also of all the navigation tools, uh, making sure the boat basically the, the main task, if we can put it in one sentence, is making sure the boat is ready to go anytime mm. that's how it is um, Actually, it, it brings me to a question um yeah. so you're mentioning different different uh, uh types of uh works and jobs mm-hmm. on the boat to me as a non you know as a layman of of, of mm-hmm. military topics when i think of a warship i think oh it's all soldiers on board they all have their guns and they're all like, you know, cleaning their guns all the time and uh, some kind of military thing happening. How many uh, people roughly out of those, again, roughly 100 people are actual mm-hmm. soldiers and how many are electricians, engineers, uh, officers, human resources, cooks, mm-hmm. uh, God knows what? Um, that's the funny part. Um, we are basically, that's why, uh, when we earlier in the talk, I uh, was speaking about specialization. Um, it's important because everybody has a task on board, like you said, electricians. So basically engineers, we have engineers on board. There are about, uh, 14 to take care of the, of the engines. Um, uh, administrative people, we are only two. Uh, for the human resources part, for the financial part, there are two as well. Officers, there were about 16. Uh, navigator people, there were about eight to 10. Uh, cook, there is, if I remember correctly, five to six guys. Um, and you have many other jobs on, on board. But all of us, and that's the, let's say, the funny part, is that all of us are able and capable of using weapons as well as being firemen. 
so that see, means there aren't there aren't any isn't is there no one whose only job is to fire guns or i mean you know to no. be to do the soldier and the warring part is no. everyone also a soldier and yes. also something else we are all all everything more or less Mm. Um, that's for this kind of boat. Of course, there is bigger boats where you have this kind of, uh, this kind of frigate or something. And also we, we, we go back to the specialization as well as people are specialized boats also specialized. Mm. Um, the boat I was in is this kind of little rapid, very rapid and fast boat. Um, very easy to maneuver around. Mm. Um, you have this uh, frigate against, uh, submarines. You have this frigate and uh, against uh, uh, aerial attack uh, you have this uh, special let's say hospital boat uh, there, there is a lot of different things um, so each boat and there is of course the aircraft carrier as well mm -hmm. the Charles de Gaulle Right. So um, we, we have one for for those who don't know the one. French the French Navy has one aircraft carrier. A um, beautiful one. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know how many nations have aircraft carriers. I I know uh, the the US anymore. has I'm sorry? Not much anymore. Right. Um China, Russia, America, uh if I'm not mistaken Brazil Mm. Um, yeah, and I'm sure the U.S. has like I don't know, fifty, oh, one for every state or something. But it's uh, a lot. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot. It's um, a very different. Thing. Okay, so let's get back to the daily routine. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're so you you were saying at at port, very boring. Let's switch mm -hmm. to uh, when you're at sea. Oh, what um, what happens? Many things. So um, the first thing is that um, the day is, uh, let's say, defined by the condition. So what I mean by condition mean, condition means what's the state we are in. Are we just in transit from Toulon to Corsica? So threat is pretty close to zero. Uh, are we in search of uh, immigrant boats trying to rescue these guys? Are we in the middle of Aden Gulf looking for pirates? This will change basically the level of threat and the, what we call condition of the boat. Um, depending on that, you will have what we call roles. And these roles will determine basically, I'm sure you guys have seen movies, even if they are very far from the reality, there is still a part of truth in it. Um, even in Star Trek, actually, I think the best example is Star Trek. Okay. Uh, if you look at the last TV show, Star Trek, they have this red alert, black alert, And basically, people have different reactions depending on the color of the alert. It's exactly the same. Uh, of course, mm. we don't travel in, in universe. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to, but no. Um, basically, if you have this combat mode, people know that at combat mode, they have a very specific position and something to do. If there is a fire alert, they know that they have something very specific to do. If there is a man over the board, they know that they have very something specific to do and a place to go. So taking my example, um, in case of fire alert, I was basically the second, the part of the second team who had to go to fire. So basically we send the first team and when they are out of oxygen or they are there for a certain amount of time, they come back. And I knew that I would be the next with a bunch of other guys. Um, 
if there is a man at the sea, I know I would go to the deck and I would need to take care of the basically literally directing the boat, which doesn't mean I would um, decide where to go, but I would basically apply the direction of a guy that is a navigator, let's say master, mm. so to speak. Um, and at this kind of combat mode, I knew also what I had to do, which was part of the boarding team. Boarding team means we put this kind of big boat um, that was with within our boat, basically. Uh, it's kind of Zodiac, so to speak, very big one. Um, and we were about 12 guys going on there and basically boarding another ship. So uh, it can be pirate ship or whatever, mm. or suspected pirate ship. That I I, th- I I would love to get into that. Uh, mm-hmm. However much you can talk about it would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. But so you mean when you're the normal day um you start in the morning and it's basically like life at port except you have all of these different statuses that you have to be ready for um there is another twist okay <laughs> uh, the day is split it uh in what we call quarters uh so basically uh the day is split in slots of four hours and every four hours there is something else to perform and a team take, um, let's say, the spot of somebody else. So basically, it's like inside duty. So you are on duty, but on the sea. Example, um, I need to go and use this, uh, basically, this direction uh, post uh, where you basically apply the direction of the navigator. You know you have to do it from 8 to 12. Uh, this is part of basically the day. Um, so you do it from 8 to 12, which means 12 to 16, you will be eating and doing something else. Most will be your job because your job doesn't stop. You, you're still part of the administrative team. So this is on the top of your job. Um, then 16 to 20, I will still be working most probably. 20 to 24, I will be eating and sleeping a bit. And then midnight to 4, you see, I did a full round uh, and I go back to basically this navigator thing. Four to eight, Wait. I would go to sleep. Yes. So, <laughs> so you sleep goes. in four hour shifts, uh, but not in eight hour shifts. I, I would guess you have no. like, okay. Yeah, ex- exactly. So basically the night shift are 20 to midnight, midnight to four, four to eight. So there's three different team. Uh, but basically it's a constant roll. It's a, it's, it's a board that is constantly rolling. Um, and it never ends. And it's like, it can be like that for a month, uh, as soon as you're on the sea. Um, the How, only what's the longest I, you've stayed at sea without going back to port? Uh, four weeks and a half, if I remember correctly. Three okay. weeks and a half, maybe. Okay, yeah. so about a month. About a month, yeah. Is that standard? Can, can, no, it's you long. Know? It's very long. Oh, it's very long. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, it should, basically, we try to be not more than 10 days to two weeks without... Mm. Seeing, uh, seeing the ground, even for the boat itself, because we can't sustain each other. I mean, each other's uh, unlimitedly. We mm. need fresh food. We need this kind of stuff. Oh, uh, right, right. Um, so, yeah, it, it can happen that you basically reload on the sea, um, but it's a dangerous maneuver, and we try to do it as less as possible. Okay. But, yeah, it can happen, but it's really not standard. Um uh, if there is one person in, in your audience that is actually from the submarine community, it will be laughing right now. Okay. Because submarine people, 
And people who listen to us who are eventually having, uh, who had experience in submarines, they can be months below the sea without seeing the, the, the sunlight. Okay. This is just crazy. But for, for boats, no, it's a bit, uh, yeah. And also, it's not such a big boat. I mean, in a sense that it's only, so to speak, 90 people. Uh, it's very limited in terms of space as well. So you, you need for oh, sure. Sorry, you cut off for a second. It's only uh, 90 people, sorry. but... Uh, and the, the, the space is limited. So basically it means that, uh, you need to see and have fresh air at one point because you basically, you are constantly with the same people 24 mm. seven. Um, even psychologically, you need to take fresh air at one point. Do you, do you get into like when you have the downtime, do you get like some gaming console going or some card games and, and do you get into fights? Do you, uh, is there social life or is it just the constant grind mm. of shifts and I, um, we try, but it's pretty hard because basically, um, let's say the main social moment is the moment you eat. Because you don't eat alone, you eat all together. Mm. Not the whole boat, but basically we are separated into three corps, so to speak. Mm. You have the people who are from the soldier to what we call quartermaster, so just before petty officer. Then you have the petty officers who eat together, and then the officers who eat together. It's very separated, and it's very good. Actually. Which core? Which core were you in? Uh, I didn't even. Me, ask. I was a petty officer. Okay. Um, the benefit of that is that by eating together first it has this kind of course uh, feeling of be part of some of something but at the same time let's say the, the young soldier just joined and don't doesn't like his boss he has a moment during the day during the food where he's not with his boss can just you know take the brain off and even say bad things about him it's right. allowed yeah. mm. and he knows that you know it's his moment so uh we don't have much time for fun, so to speak. And the problem also is the room because we don't have internet on board or let's say extremely low speed. Um, Can you have your phone? Uh, not constantly. And you don't catch, uh, you don't catch network anyway. So okay. you're in the middle of the sea. There is no connection. Um, and after you throw, <laughs> you throw away two or, or four, <laughs> two or three phones in the sea, you don't take it with you anymore. <laughs> because <Okay. laughs> first iPhone and Ended up in the middle of the Indian Ocean, so <laughs> it's still there. All right. So yeah, so it's not like you're only in the Mediterranean. You 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 go on pretty uh, large uh, routes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we can go the far. The, the more far we went was almost Asia with this kind of boat, mm. and it's not the biggest. Some go yeah more far. Okay. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about the the, the operations part of it. You were saying mm -hmm. you, you were rescuing uh, migrants and and mm -hmm. be part, yeah. searching for pirates and all of those. Yeah. Um, is there anything that that you know you you? I'm sure there were things that you remember to this day, things that happened that gave you mm -hmm. strong impressions, or things that you can talk about. Of course, I don't. I, I'm sure there are mm -hmm. some things you can't you can't mention, but. Uh, uh, what made the strongest impressions on you? Uh, if we're, you know, if I were allowed, I would go like, were there movie like moments where you would board a pirate ship and there was a firefight? And I want to say that. And then I realize, okay, this isn't a movie. It's real life. He, he, he actually yeah. might have gotten into a firefight, but you know, I, I'm still kind of asking without asking, and then you know, with my <laughs> I don't know things that yeah. that you still remember. Um, well, 
Yes, of course, there, there is, I mean, tension moment because especially, well, the migrant thing and the Aden Gulf and the piracy is a fully different thing. Um, it's also important to remember the audience that the French Navy mission mostly is to basically detect and preserve people um, on the sea, which means that a lot of missions are here to basically keep people safe, but not the way we think it. Not like keep our borders safe, you know. Uh, it's more about what do you do when you see a migrant, uh, a migrant boat full of people with child, woman, and etc. And um, army and French navy and other navies as well, because Italian and Spanish navies are very much uh, involved as well. The point is to protect both sides. Of course, we are here to protect our country, uh, but not in an aggressive way, not in a nationalist way, so to speak. We are not here to push them back. We are here to make sure the sea and the oceans are a safe place to be for everybody. So that's for the migrant part. So, so uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Let let me call you out on this for just a second because yeah. obviously the migrant crisis is is a very sensitive topic, and politically it is uh, uh, you know something that is loaded, yeah. very loaded, and and obviously the migrants in every country that is uh, uh, you know concerned by the crisis are you mm -hmm. have people who say we should welcome all of them, and and some people who say well we can't welcome all of them. It's not, you know, mm -hmm. infinite, whatever, without getting into yeah. that part. How remote, how far away are you from that debate? And, and surely you've had instances where you had to, you know, you saw a boat, you got the migrants maybe in, out of harm's way, but then you were mm -hmm. like, sorry, but you have to go back to whatever country you came from, right? We are, uh, not really, we are lucky. Uh, actually, we are lucky because this is not our job. This is the job of the police. Uh, our job is to basically make them safe. Mm. Uh, it's a bit of a coward move, so to speak. It's a bit easy, you know, because we say, okay, we're fine. We did our job. So when let's take the example um, during the big uh, migrant crisis. Uh, well, basically, I was on the sea, <laughs> still there on duty <laughs> a few years back. And basically what happened is that if you see a migrant boat like that, um, it's, it's absolutely illegal to let them there, uh, sink. So you have to save them. It's an obligation. Um, so you do. So you welcome people on board, you give them food, you give them water. And then the question is, the decision is not on you and even not on the commander officer. The commander officer has to contact the relevant authorities. And the question is, what do we do with these people? Obviously, we won't throw them in the water. So we will bring them mm. somewhere. And then from there, they will be taken. Um, so we are not a judging authority. We are right. here to basically handle the complication in real life. But at the same time, we are still on orders. And mm. these orders are strict and clear. <laughs> Mm. So we can't well, sideways, right? Ob obviously, I mean, you're you're not gonna put them on the boat and and bring them back to France. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone would expect that. So you kind of have the the 
I don't want to say the easy job, but like the good part of the job, you, you rescue yes. the people from the sea and then exactly. it's for the other people and politicians to decide what happens to them, but yeah. you're just here to make sure they're safe. Um, so how, what is your, and then here I'm talking about personal impressions mm -hmm. because we hear about those stories and we hear about, you know, in the news and it's all a little bit fuzzy and, and remote what are your impressions of those events, you know, and, oh. and those people and, and without turning into a, a, a soapy drama, like, no, no. what did you think? Because you were there, you, you were witness to uh, what happened there. It's, um, being very honest, uh, it, it's, it's horrible what's happening there, uh, without going into the politic thing of, why they are there. We all know why they are there. Mm. These are, these are one thing. And now that you are that, even Patrick, you can understand that even better now that I am as well. It's very simple. You take a two-year-old child. Would you cross the Mediterranean Sea with your two-year-old child without food and water and go from Libya to France with your own will? So this is not possible. Nobody wishes that. Nobody wants that for his family. So people who say, again, it's personal, let's say, mix of experience and feeling and belief. But when I, I wish to people, I really do wish to people who are, let's say, saying what you were seeing before as an example, like, yeah, we know we can't welcome everybody and, you know, we need to throw them back where they come from. I, I invite these people to go first, see where these people live and in what condition. And secondly, I invite them to do the same trip that they do on these rubber boats across the Mediterranean Sea. And let's see how do they think after that. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm deeply thinking. You can't, I mean, you can't think that these people are doing that with an invasion, invasion you know, mindset. It's impossible. These, these are just human beings who try to escape a place that is horrible. And even if where they go is maybe not the paradise, it will still be better than where they are. Mm. Um, on the boat, we had immigrants. They were doctors, professors, you know, they just escape a war zone. Um, so my, my personal, let's say, feeling is that I was very proud and happy to be part of that because I did my tiny part, so to speak. But at the same time, I still find incredible that we don't solve that that crisis. Mm. And I still believe that we can, but don't want to. This is what I believe. Oh, we don't care enough. But there will be, we will be looked and judged uh, as the generation who didn't do anything. Mm. I'm, I'm very sad about that, actually. But when you say you think we can, you mean financially we could welcome them? Of and course, yeah, of course, mm. of course, of okay. course. Let's be honest. Who would who would let a family of? Uh, um, you, there is an horrible thing, you know. I don't know if you remember a few, maybe month or maybe a year, something back. There has been a picture in the front of Time, the Time magazine, uh, of a little boy uh, dead on the beach. Um, face on in the sand and the whole world twitter facebook everybody was extremely uh 
outraged. Speak, shocked. Mm. Yeah, outraged and shocked. Uh, because the reality finally reached the normal people. Um, so people were like extremely shocked. And my question is, what did they do to change it? It, it made a big media noise, but that's it. That's it. Yeah. I, I think the only, the only thing you can do there, and I would, you know, uh, there would be a lot that I could say about what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I think not necessarily only in, I, I kind, not just in support. I could argue mm -hmm. points. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't want to do that because here, as is very often the case in this show, we try to get, you know, we listen to the people who are actually in those situations. And I think what's mm -hmm. valuable here is what you're saying. And you know what you're talking about because you were there. So I'm not going to add to that. But the to answer your, your later point about the picture mm -hmm. and what did people do, the only thing they can do is vote. And clearly, um, exactly. yeah, no one is... I mean, we're clearly expressing the fact that we don't care enough. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's just a factual. Um, exactly. Yeah. That's how it feels. Mm. Um, all right. I, I, before we move on, I do want to get on to the pirate hunting thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I'm curious about. But to stay a little bit on that topic, how do you then, like, do you talk about it? with your with your uh, uh shipmates uh do you talk about it when you get home uh how do you do you carry this with you silently like how do you deal with it how does it impact you after the the fact um i would say it's very personal um everybody reacts differently uh so i can talk for myself funnily it felt like And I think the uniform is made for that. You are a different person when you wear the uniform, as mm. well as you are a different person when you are online behind, uh, uh, let's say, a character or something. Yeah, in a game, uh, yeah. Exactly. So it's, for me, it felt like, of course, it affects you. It affects you. Of course, it makes you a different person. But at the same time, I every time tried to not carry that with me at home because it's still work. Yeah. And you try to don't bring work at home, right? And at the same time, you kind of, when you put off the uniform, it's like the weight of the things also goes with your uniform away, you know, and you wash it and that's it. Mm. And you have to live with it. And this is also the power of the engagement in, in the army or Navy or whatever is exactly that. That's what you commit to. It's not committing to war or to ultimate death or whatever. It, it's not that, um, The commitment you do is to be humble about what you do, the way you do it. And in one end, when you go home, you don't bring that back because you don't want to, you know. Mm. And, and it's also extremely hard to explain. It's extremely hard to explain. Um, it's feelings, you know. Feelings to explain are extremely hard. So... As much as I could talk about it, nobody would really understand about it, what it is exactly. Mm. So you can say, you know, uh, we got a migrant boat and we welcome them on board and we bring them to Italy and, you know, or to Spain or to Cyprus or whatever. Uh, and, and they are safe and you're happy because at least they are not on this boat anymore in the middle of the sea. They are still on the ground. Of course, there will be some justice thing and et cetera, but they are still safe. They won't die. 
Um, they won't drone literally. literally. So, um, and that's more or less what you say, you know, and that's only it, more or less. Uh, of course, it, um, it's a heavy thing to carry, but it's a funny one because you carry it with you in a sense that it's heavy because it makes you different and you think about it and it's not every time super cool. But at the same time, there is a feeling of being proud of being part of it, mm. which kind of balance the thing, you know? Okay, it was horrible. It was very hard. I didn't sleep much. I didn't eat much. But at the same time, if I wouldn't be there, me and my mates, this guy would be dead. This mm. child, this woman, and etc. So, so actually, you, you, kind, you did something it. about it. Exactly. Mm. It was worth it. My, my lack of sleep, my everything was absolutely worth it. A little bit of a meta question uh, mm-hmm. right now, like about your feeling towards what you're doing right now, like what you're you're telling us about your experience. Mm-hmm. You're saying you can explain it, but people will not really understand. Do you currently right now have the feeling that you're explaining it to me and through the show to the audience, mm-hmm. but you know that, you know, maybe we're going to get a little bit of it and then we're going to go, you know, turn around and eat a sandwich and it will be forgotten? Or do you feel like you're not actually... Uh, I don't know, affecting us or, or transmitting, actually conveying um, what you mm-hmm. would want to convey if you could in some other way? Or um... Yeah, the problem is that um, exactly that's uh, the thing. Uh, being in it and, and um, doing it and, and saying about it is a different thing. And I think that my mission today <laughs> would be complete if at least people would get interested, not in the army, but actually maybe to change their minds if they have a negative idea about it, maybe to go get some, some information online. I'm not here to recruit new, new, new soldiers, obviously, not <laughs> at all. Um, but just to say that there is people, actually, when you guys are sleeping, uh, when you're celebrating Christmas, uh, there is basically people around the world who are doing stuff. And this is something important to sometimes remember, not, not the speech like you are safe because of us. That's not true. Not only us, you're safe for many, many good reasons. Uh, but there is people who are pursuing their, let's say, dream of service, um, whatever the day, mm. whatever the night, um, uh, And to try to kind of um, pass, you know, there is one thing I cannot pass is the sense of duty. Mm. The sense of duty is a very personal thing. Um, and that's why it can't be forced, forced towards people. And that's why people who are forced to join the army usually don't stay long because it's a personal choice. It's mm. a very personal choice. Um, as well as leaving because I left as well. So it's, It's a moment it, you decide to go or not go and to try. And that's why also I, I wouldn't like to be part of the PR in army because of the Ministry of Defense, because between what you can say and what you can explain and what you need to keep under the radar, um, it's extremely complicated, right? So mm. you need to still make some advertisement because you need to recruit people. Um, but at the same time, it needs to be well done, not too much warrior stuff. You need to explain things that you cannot really say. It's extremely complicated, yeah. actually, if you think about it. So, and, and it's okay. the same for us, basically. Mm. Um, 
All right, Let, let's let's move on to the mm-hmm. to the pirate, like to the action. Uh, let's cut to the chase. Let's go into the mm-hmm. action scene and and you know imagine you and your teammates. Uh, actually, I'm not going to make that joke. It's disrespectful. Um, <laughs> it's let's talk about the pirate thing. Like, how mm-hmm. did it, it, it? It's kind of the same. Um, uh, you know retelling of what happened with the migrants uh the, the pirate thing where, where were you mm-hmm. what was happening are there events that that stay with you uh even today what could yeah. you say about this well uh, i think the piracy thing is uh, let's say not really secret because it has been a big thing at one point uh there has been some also news uh over the over the, the tv show and etc about what's happening there um, I'm not sure if it's still going on or if it's more calm because we hear much less about it. Well, basically, the background story is very simple. There is a country named Somalia. Somalia is an extremely poor country. Um, people can barely afford food, um, sadly. And to feed their family, they will basically uh, voluntarily uh, go on boats and try to steal from big ships. Uh, so big ships like these uh, tankers so to speak where there is electronic and they they try to get ransom out of it um so this is the piracy in in aden gulf uh it's nothing like jack sparrow (laughs) and Mm -hmm. uh, and basically the mission of army there is to keep the place safe for people to because the problem is that aden gulf i don't know if people know where more, more or less way it is, but basically uh, the connection between the Indian Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea is made by the Suez Canal. Suez Canal starts basically north of Egypt and ends up in the south of Egypt. Um, and then the next country you will cross are Yemen, Djibouti, Somalia, Eritrea, very beautiful places. Uh, so it became very unsafe. So commercially, it was very complicated for many, many companies to basically cross that spot. Uh, the only alternative they are is to go back in time and actually cross the whole Africa mm. all around, make the big round. Right, so, to, to go so, south uh, through yes. the yeah, Cape. And, yeah. So that's the place. Um, so piracy was going on. Uh, if I may recommend a good movie to get very close to the reality, it's Captain Phillips with Mm. Tom Hanks, um, who is very well made as a movie because it's in the shoes of the people who are boarded. The problem of most of the movies about piracy and etc., they are mostly made in the eyes of the soldiers, which is not good because it's very, let's say, war encouraging, so to speak. Mm. Uh, Captain Phillips is a very good movie because it also explains where these people come from, these pirates what life they have and why they are fighting and what they are fighting for. Most of the pirates that you find there are starving. They don't have food. They, they barely have food and they drink the water of the sea. <laughs> That's all they have. Mm. So it's a bit far from the reality in a sense, or what people think that, you know, it's this kind of pirate boat, very powerful, with a lot of weapons and etc. Of course, there, there is weapons involved. These people try to defend themselves. But at the same time, um, we need to understand where they come from uh, to, 
to have the right action towards these guys. So the, the mission of the, the Navy there is to protect basically the sea, as usual, to make sea a safe place. Um, so the first phase goes into identifying. Um, then you basically decide whether or not you need to visit the boat, ask, of course, the authorization to do so, uh, and then eventually react uh, depending on what the answer and that's how far I can go. <laughs> okay. So that means you, 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 you're just patrolling. You have a route. More uh, or less. Yes. Yeah. And, and you see a boat that is maybe identified, maybe inident- unidentified, and you're trying to judge whether or not this is a, uh, mm-hmm. a, a pirate b- ship or. Yeah. And then exactly. you decide whether or not you're going to board. And right at that yeah. point, you can't really talk anymore because if you no. <laughs> did board, then stuff yeah. happens. Um, exactly. Have you ever had to uh, board a ship that had been boarded that by pirates or things like that, yeah. or doesn't? Okay, uh, no, uh, this this uh, this belong to other people. Oh, okay. If that happens, then someone else is involved. Okay. Uh, yeah, there is. Um, um, this will be the job of other other people in in army. Uh, okay. If uh, there is, let's say, there is a public story we can refer to is this Pono. Uh, story. So basically what happened is that a boat was crossing the Gulf, a civilian boat, uh, got attacked by pirates and uh, special forces had to board. Uh, mm. And then after they discovered that it was some drug as well on the boat. So it was a very gray-ish story. Mm. <laughs> it was a bit weird, but okay. that's basically yeah, uh, the story. Okay. So, okay. What I, what I, um, th- there are two things I take away from what you're saying is first, the job of the Navy, and I'm guessing the job of the, I mean, it's a shared job from uh, different countries' navies that are, I'm guessing, engaged in the areas where their country's commercial interests are uh, need to be protected, in this case, mm-hmm. the, the trade routes. Um, and the job is to make those trade routes uh, safe slash usable. Yes. And, and the other uh, part I'm noting is the pirates aren't yar let's find some booty it's people mm-hmm. who are coming from very poor countries trying to survive. find yeah surviving okay um yeah all right uh i think that's that's a significant amount of heavy information for one day um <laughs> i do want to ask you about your interactions with the american army whatever yeah. you can you know the the relationships mm-hmm. there before we do that is there anything else you would want to uh bring up whether it is about your actual you know uh, uh actions on the sea or the the way the boat is organized or something i might not have asked about um, um there is um well i think uh, all in all the most important if there is something to take out of our discussion is to since since army, at least in France, uh, again, speaking for French people, is not extremely good at communication or the communication is not easy to do, um, I think for people just to not judge based on, let's say, uh, very mainstream media. Um, there is excellent mm. blogs, uh, Secret Defense blog, which is very great, for example, uh, which is very official, nothing shady there. Um, you can you can have information and and you know as a as a veteran I, I would say that when I was in in navy I really loved when people came to me 
um, to ask questions because since we are not allowed to talk much, when people come to ask a question, it, it feels great. Of course, I'm not saying you guys go and talk to the people patrolling under the Eiffel Tower. Don't do that. <laughs> it's a very bad idea. But if you ever, you know, go somewhere and, you know, sometimes um, in France and even abroad, uh, there is Navy worship who are stopping in your, in your city. Um, just go and say hello and try to understand what these guys are made of and what's their life and, you know, behind the uniform. And as you say, Patrick, you know, the, the version of the soldier we have in mind in the, let's say, the culture, um, behind that, there is that moms, normal people. Um, under the uniform, there is still human being. So don't be afraid to go talk to, to military people. They would be more than happy to answer your questions and not only military related question, you know, just ask if the guy's doing well and, you know, mm. always life for him and et cetera, because yeah, we, we are normal people. I, I think in the U S they would be, you know, they would embrace that kind of attitude a little bit yeah. more, maybe buy a drink to the, to the military person there. And yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, you also mentioned, uh, I think before we started recording that you, your commander on the ship was a woman. Um, yes. I wonder how that, I mean, you said it now in different ships, you, you do have a mixed, uh, yeah. uh crew. So both men and women, uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you know exactly how well that's working, but uh, if you can speak to that and also to the, you know, to the woman uh, commander, how did that work? I'm guessing pretty well. <laughs> There were no it incidents. Worked, but... um, you know, um, well, the boat I was on uh, was a main boat, exception made of officers. Um, the reason is officers have uh, rooms where they are alone. Uh, which which is not the case for others. We were uh, per room. We were twelve, twenty, twenty-four. So, wow, okay. um, officers have a special status. It's like that, um, and so we can basically. And there is boats where there is women. I have even friends, women who are serving on boats, uh, who have been serving on, on on boats, and that's absolutely fine. Um, On my experience, it was fantastic because it felt good to have a different way of thinking uh, towards our job. Uh, not only our commander officer was a woman, but on the top of that, she was a young and talented officer. So she got to command the warship and she was young for that and talented as well, extremely smart. So, of course, there is natural respect due to the rank. This is not questionable because we're in army. Uh, but the experience working uh, with a commander officer that is a woman was actually extremely rich for me. A way of thinking, a way of approaching the problems was absolutely different and better, actually. And in a manly world like this one, it's actually very, maybe it's linked to the mom thing, you know, I'm sure it's that for, for men, especially, um, I felt my mates on the boat more calm. Funny. Really? Yeah. Maybe it's linked to the mom thing or whatever. Yeah. I don't really know. I'm not a psychologist, yeah. but what I can say is that she was an, an amazing officer an amazing commander officer, 
an incredible human being because she was extremely close to the people. Mm. Um, she, she didn't have to, but she was. Uh, and I'm sure today, I, I don't know where she is now, but I'm sure today she's having great responsibilities and I wish her because she really deserves it. She was um, you're, fantastic. You're kind of making me want to serve under her now. It's kind of an incredibly no, really. glowing review. Um, a somewhat related question. Um, mm -hmm. We do have social tensions in France and we do have, um, you know, uh, uh, second, third generation immigrants and who are yeah. in, in some, you know, the suburbs, the, the ghettos almost, uh, from the big cities. Uh, did you have any of those issues? I'm guessing, you know, men in close quarters, you would have m people from all different parts of the country. Uh, was that a factor or did the, the military formatting do its job? Yes, exactly. Uh, as you say, the military formatting does its job. Um, even more, you know, there is a funny thing in armies that normally you should be politically neutral or at least not express your political impressions. You, you, right. you have the right to think, of course, uh, and to discuss, but if possible, not publicly. And of course, you are not allowed to, to join a party. Um, but uh, in terms of religion, it's a bit different because... How can you confront people to eventually death and take away the religion from them? You actually cannot. So what happened is that there is military priest, uh, military rubbish, and military imam. Mm. Um, so not only we were confronted to different, let's say, social backgrounds, But also we were confronted to different religions. I had mates who were Muslims and they had the right to pray as much as uh, the duty was not, let's say, impacted. The rule is the duty first and then after that, if you want to pray, you're allowed to pray and people should respect that. I even remember a guy, a stupid one, doing a bad joke about that and some, uh, some officer heard about it heard it actually live and the guy got some sanctions he did the guy did a bad joke about the religion and etc mm. and the guy had a sanction because it's not appropriate we right. respect everybody here so you did have muslims and and jews yeah. and and well christians obviously um yeah. interacting without incidents or um, significant incidents it was just no problem yeah. Mm. No and, problem at all, and even the food. You know, we we, we had food for without uh, without ham, for example, for Muslim on the board. Mm. No problem with that. Yeah, respect. All right, um, all right. To to take us out of this uh, uh, episode. I do want to come back to the to the uh, interaction with the Americans. Um, mm -hmm. How was it? Like, were, were was there the <laughs> Yankee feeling of the Americans or were they super professional or were like, was it army to army? We're like basically brothers in arms and, and we know yeah. what we're talking about or, or I, I, yeah. How, how was the relationship? What did you think of the Americans, etc.? What did okay. they think well, of you? If you know, um, you know, the French magic, like I, I like to call it. So basically when you're French and you're in a 
foreign country or you're with foreigners, they have some sort of fantasy about Frenchies. That works <laughs> in army as well, you know. So basically, when the interactions were, with Americans was actually great. Of course, you, it's another dimension. Uh, I mean, the, the budget is different, the people are different, the mindset are different, uh, but not in a bad way. I mean, they just have a different politic in terms of, of army. So they are trained differently and the chance to work, uh, to work or to see at least uh, rangers, marines, and they are all great people. I mean, of course, they have a different mentality, but... Of, and also, you know, the movies are also making us thinking in a way, you know, if you look at Full Metal Jacket and this kind of thing, you, mm. you're afraid, you know, when you see a Marines, you're like, okay, the guy will yell at me, but actually, <laughs> no, not at all. He's a normal person, you know, like you. Right. <laughs> so they are all cool. They are very cool. Um, they're up, baby's oh, coming. Yeah, there, there's, there's a little <laughs> bit of a, a crisis there happening. Uh, okay. He's he's not very happy apparently, but uh, it's okay. She 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 took him uh, to the uh, kitchen and probably gonna give food. Anyway, no problem. Yeah. So yeah, Americans are very cool. They are doing their job. They have budget to to do their job. They have budget to to have proper gear and everything. Uh, but there was no let's say anger or anything towards people. Uh, we we just it's mostly exchange you know because we have different protocols and everything so usually it's more curiosity than anything than nothing else mm. uh they come on board you know they ask oh, okay you guys are using that you know we use that and can you show us how it works and you know i'm going to show you how, how mine work and, and not only weapon in general navigation tools and etc so um the only thing that shocked me once i visited a, a big very big uh aircraft carrier american aircraft carrier was that the commander officer was walking with bodyguards on board Oh wow, really? And that and yeah, and that that's a question actually to your American audience if there is anybody is why that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's that was something, you know, you see the commander officer and hello. you see the oh, oh hello. <laughs> well, we we had our so, first uh, uh participation of my son on on a on a it. podcast. I'm yeah, that's proud. the first one. I'm yeah. so proud. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a bit uh, it's a bit uh, different, but of course, I mean, we are we are having the same kind of uh, sense of duty. You know, that's what I said earlier, that the sense of duty is basically the thing that brings us all to bring us all together. Mm. And that's what we have in common. We can be from different religion. We can be from different backgrounds, different nationality. Even we all serve a cause that we think, right? So, and this is international. Even I had the chance to, to interact with Iraqi soldiers, uh, and, and Iraqi soldiers, they were exactly like us. They have the same sense of duty and they have their own, let's say, way of thinking and doing their stuff because it's a different nationality and culture. But the sense of duty is the same. So mm. we are all similar there, actually. We are all just one big world. Uh, well, that's that's a, a hopeful view. I hope it rubs off on me and the audience a little bit. So, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, sharing your your story with uh, with all of us. Um, I kind of already asked you, but anything else you want to add before we we bring it to a close for oh, for good? I think it's I think it's fine. <laughs> I yeah. think it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so again, let me thank you for being on. Um, do you want to tell the audience, do you have an online presence, Twitter account or something uh, you want to oh, direct yeah. them to? Or 
heavy user of Twitter, uh, it's going to be hard for the, the foreigners because it's uh, at Lebeg, so my family name, N, <laughs> like Nicholas. So I think in the, in the notes, it will be better. I think yeah. it's going to be more easy for them. Yeah, we'll do that. It, uh, I, I will include the uh, Twitter link in the notes. So if you want to uh, contact uh, Nicolas, uh, you know, ask questions or anything, you can do it, I'm sure, in the, uh, in the show's article in the comments or mm -hmm. go to Twitter or I'm sure you'll find a way. So uh, thank you very much for being on. For me, thank it's... You. It's not Patrick on Twitter. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, same uh, name, not Patrick. You can also find the show at frenchspin.com. And uh, as I said, you can go there and comment on this episode if you have questions or uh, want to uh, comment on, on something that we discussed. You're very welcome to. Um, and of course, as always, if you enjoy the show, if you think we uh, bring a little something to your day or we do something that you appreciate... Uh, please, please do consider uh, subscribing to the Patreon and supporting the show on Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. There's over 300 people participating in the Patreon right now. Um, I'm incredibly grateful to all of them. And uh, this show basically does not happen if uh, the support isn't there. And I think the kind of... Um, business model basically that we have is very consistent with the spirit of the show it's available no matter what and the people who like it can choose to support it and uh if you know it's there's nothing uh forced you can stop whenever you want but if if you think the show has some kind of value uh please do consider giving uh value back uh, even you know a, a couple of bucks per episode even one dollar is absolutely uh, uh um, worth it i mean it helps quite a bit so thank you very much for that again uh the the link is in the show notes you can easily access it uh and uh that's gonna be it for this uh this episode again thank you very much nicola for being on it was no super interesting <laughs> i hope i didn't i didn't uh batter you with questions too much <laughs> no 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 worries and uh, we will be back uh, probably towards the end of the month with a regular episode unless you know uh, the little mister behind me starts screaming too much and makes recording impossible I, I think we'll be fine though <laughs> thank you very much for listening and we'll be back very soon bye everyone bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.